It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome to Locked On Warriors, the daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for Marjorie News. Here with me on the phone is Kamala Laterno, Warriors writer for San Francisco Chronicle, and he's doing his weekly spot with us today. Um, per usual, he came with some topics that he wanted to discuss. What was unusual about it is that he didn't tell me what these topics were going to be, and he's basically going to surprise me in the middle of the show. But before we get to any of that stuff... Uh, it is best season week here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Connor, you and I talked in depth about the 2014-15 season last week. Now I've had a few different media people on this week to talk about what they deem as their favorite season that they covered. And so I just want to ask you the same question. What is, the, what is your favorite Warriors season? What is the one that you most enjoyed covering? Yeah, so I'm I'm in year four, so I got on the beat right after the Warriors signed Kevin Durant. Um, so I covered two title runs, and then you know the finals against the Raptors, which they lost last season, um, and then obviously this uh, league worst season that we were in the middle of, or I guess you know potentially done with. And so among those four, I would honestly have to say my first year on the beat. Uh, which is 2016-17. Um, for me personally, it was just a lot of excitement because everything was new. I was going to all these new cities. I was living that lifestyle for the first time. So that was a lot of fun. But from a basketball perspective, there was just a really positive energy all season. Everyone was really excited to have Kevin Durant there. You know, they were really amenable to him and trying to make him feel welcome. And there was just kind of that that newness there um and then the next season it started to get a little stale and then and then we had the issues last season that ultimately left led to uh Kevin Durant leaving for Brooklyn so there's been a lot of drama since then so I'm gonna go with the one year that had no drama which was 16-17. What was memorable to you about that first year what was maybe um a story you wrote or um a game that you had to cover or just any any other sort of interaction anything that stands out um there were there were a lot of just spectacular moments you know that was the year that uh clay thompson had a 60 point game uh that was the year that steph broke the three-pointer record uh, that was the year that uh, the Warriors went 16-1 in the playoffs, uh, and Kevin Durant was downright dominant in the finals. Um, so there was just there was just so many historic moments. It felt like every day you would show up to work and you knew that there was a good chance that you'd be witnessing history, and that was just a pretty surreal feeling, especially especially for someone like myself who was a first year NBA beat writer. I mean, I know you are coming off your first season as an NBA beat writer, but you'd covered the league for a while. That was my first year covering the NBA at all. So that was a pretty incredible feeling. 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned something there that you, you every time you walk into uh, Oracle Arena or wherever, whatever city you're in, you're like, yeah, something crazy could happen tonight, right? Um, right. And you kind of have to be on your toes and ready for it mentally to write a game story off of that and to and and write whatever follow-ups you need to write off of that. Um, was there, what was like, uh, I mean, I guess it being your first year, obviously that was a much better year to be in your first year than the year that I just had. But uh, what uh, do you think about that? Do you think about the idea that you chronicled history? Because Steve Kerr has called that the best Warriors team. And if that's the best Warriors team, I think, I think it's very fair to say that that's one of the best teams ever, right? I think a lot of people would argue that it is the best team ever, which I think you, you can make a very strong argument, and you got to cover it. You were, you were not aggregating it. You were not talking about it. You were firsthand covering that team, given it was your first year. But, I mean, that must have been a, a pretty cool thing that you kind of had to think about every once in a while. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of those things where when you're in it, you don't really feel it, right? So you, it just, it, it's, your, it's your job. It's your life. It just feels like something you get up and do every day. But then later on, you step back and you think about it, and you're like, man, that was that was pretty cool. Um, I remember at the end of that season, you know, they had uh, the NBA Films always does a, kind of a mini documentary on the championship team. And so they, they debuted that film at uh, a theater in Oakland, and I went and spoke before it with Anthony Slater and Monty Poole. We did a little panel and watching that documentary, you know, weeks removed from the finals, I, it was, it was like, Oh yeah, that happened. And that happened and that happened and that happened. It was like, this is a crazy year. Uh, but you don't, you don't, you need to actually see it on a big screen sometimes for it to really sink in. You know, it's, uh, yeah. I was actually talking to one of my best friends last night and, talking about the job and he's like dude you you have to do a lot of cool things this job and i'm like yeah i guess i have you know um <laughs> you, you know you, you kind of forget about that sometimes well i mean even this season and it's a very it, very different reasons why right i mean we're not talking about clay going off 60 points or steph curry having an historic season but uh you know it started with the daryl Morey tweet with the china controversy and i remember you and i were writing a lot about just politics like chinese you know inter chinese um, american politics and you know reading up on that kind of stuff and what was really going on in hong kong with their you know democracy protests and things like that and so that was like a big part of the first part of our season and steph curry breaks his hands and now you and i are becoming uh like specialists of like hand surgery and hand rehab and things like that uh learning words like metacarpal and things and then it like related with Kavon Looney's neuro neuropathic condition like what the hell is this so like we're we're learning about that and then obviously the Kobe Bryant stuff happens and then this and then the coronavirus stuff happens so we're covering that for about a month before it eventually shuts down the entire season and I think you know I, I understand when you say like yeah you're just sort of every day you're just this is the job this is the news this is what we have to write and this is all these things and and we did that, but I think like a year from now we're gonna look back on the season and be like, holy crap, that was really weird. Like you and I were about to embark on like a six game road trip, uh, right before this thing shut down, and that never happened. And I think for me, when I would when I looked at the schedule, I was like, I'm supposed to be in Toronto right now. I'm supposed to be in Indiana right now, and I'm home in my apartment and there's no basketball happening. It was kind of like an aha, like holy crap, I have to like sit down and really reflect on everything that just sort of happened. Uh, not only in my life, but in the league and like sort of what, what my whole first year on the beat was. 
Yeah, and I know you were around the team a bit last season, but it, right. it's even more jarring when you were around for the dynasty on a day-to-day basis, and then and then suddenly you're covering the worst team in the league. I mean, <laughs> and, and there were so many things that were weird about this season, and you hit on some of them, but, you know, everything going on with D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell, um, yeah, yeah. All, that whole dynamic. The trade. I mean, and then you've got Clay Thompson having his – his number retired. Draymond Green had his numbers retired. Like like nice things that happened in the middle of the year that just sort of swept under the rug. That you used you used to be able to just sort of like that. What those were the sort of things that ought to be highlights after a dynasty, right? As you start to like lean back, everybody has their jerseys retired. Their their legacies are sort of cemented and like wherever they went through. But instead of all that, like just like the shit hit the fan basically this year. Yeah, as you know, the Last Dance documentary with the yeah. much-hyped Last Dance documentaries about to drop on ESPN. And I wrote yesterday about that, talked to Steve on a conference call. And writing that, I definitely had the thought of there's going to be this type of documentary done at some point on these Warriors. You know, they're going to go in-depth about last season, all the drama with KD. Uh, there's going to be so much uh, – written or so much said about all of that. And you Who will that, be the MVP of that documentary, do you think? Because you're right. Draymond, Draymond, right? Yeah, probably yeah. Draymond. But Draymond might be the MVP in the way that, like, uh, Dennis Rodman was the MVP of his own documentary, right? Where it's just like, all right, he has to say something. But then you've got, like, the straight men around him that sort of bring it back. Um where I think, like, I'm trying to remember who in the Dennis Rodman documentary, but they talked to so many of his teammates and things like that that just would, like... Yeah, I remember a lot of John Sally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bill Ambeer. Um Yeah, no, there's definitely going to be... You know, Sean Livingston will kind of be that guy, probably. He'll be, like, the voice yeah. of reason, you know, yeah. that, that pipes in every once in a while. You know, they're going to have beat reporters on there. They're going to have coaches. Yeah. Uh, Steve will be so, predictably good. I mean... Steve Kerr will be predictably good. He's just good. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you could make a a really good documentary just on that, just on last season. And I think now being a year removed from it, I'm really thinking about how kind of crazy all that Durant stuff was, you know, with him calling out media publicly. And there was just so much that happened. He was the star that I think was least missed this year of all the stars who were missed. Oh, no, I, there was a palpable relief when he left. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you, you you saw, yes, Steph was injured. Yes, Clay was injured. But they're a markedly worse team without him. And, uh, you know, I, I think that if he had, for whatever reason, come back, it would have been ugly because there was just a storm brewing, you know. Right. All right, let's take a break here. We're going to come back with whatever Connor wants to talk about because it's his show now. This is Locked on Warriors. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive-thru for your own steamy carton of crispy, golden 
goodness. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Adobe. At CDW, we get your organization can be demanding. You know you're in there. I know. The marketing team's outside my office. They want their Adobe update now. With Adobe's value incentive plan, deployed by the experts at CDW, you can quickly and easily manage software subscriptions for the whole team. On Acrobat and Creative Cloud? All included. Cool. Guys, I'm coming out. Don't hurt me. For a satisfied digital workforce, you need Adobe and IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash adobe. All right, we're back. Uh, Connor, in the spirit of the Tuesdays, we're dialing back only because we're doing, we've gone from five shows a week to three shows a week. So this is going to air on a Wednesday, but we, we're going to keep it Tuesdays people, or Wednesdays. Well, not even working. Peek around, peek around the curtain here. Uh, our advertising has dropped, basically, so we don't have enough advertisers to carry five-day programming. Now we're down to three-day programming. And it's also that, and, like, I don't have anything to talk about, like, for five days. So I want right, to, like, if I'm going to put out a product, I want it to be at least insightful and good and or whatever this is going to be. So we'll find out. What did you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I, I think – so earlier today, I put out a call on Twitter because I'm thinking about doing a Where Are They Now series. You know, as you said, we, we need content, and so I'm trying to find things to write. And I thought it would be kind of interesting to distance from readers and Warriors fans who they want to hear from, you know, who, they, who they've been curious about, you know, someone that's coming off the grid who they want an update from. And um, I got a lot of Vontigo comments. Uh, who is, as you know, synonymous with those really bad Warriors teams in the early 2000s. He was on the team for the two worst years ever, and then left. It was kind of a bit role player. And I've got a bunch of other really random names, you know, Chris Gatlin, uh, Chris Washburn, uh, you know, you name it, I probably got it. I got like well over 150 uh, suggestions, and it just hit home to me how much people, the average NBA fan is really invested in these role guys. You know, we we talk a lot about the superstars, the all-stars, but I think there's a lot of these bit players that fans really identify with. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, who those people were for you. And I want to start with the Warriors, because obviously we cover the Warriors. And so I know you didn't grow up following the Warriors super closely, but you've been around the team enough. I know you know enough history about the Warriors. Like, who who is the guy from past Warriors teams, let's say pre-Dynasty at least, that you think like, has kind of resonated with you for, for whatever reason? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and I can't confidently say – that there is one, I can try to make up somebody and create an argument behind it. But this is this is where I keep getting in trouble with this podcast. By the way, is uh, it, my lack of being a Warriors fan is so abundant on almost every show. Like the evidence is mounting against me, and I don't do myself any favors because when you started talking about um, role players who sort of resonate with you uh, growing up, my first thought was Jason Capono. Okay. For the Miami Heat, didn't he, did he play for the Warriors at any point? Like, he played for so many teams. So maybe I, I'm I remember bailing myself did. out here. He's a Stanford oh, guy, or no, he's a UCLA guy. Sorry, uh, I can't remember if he played. He 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 was 
one of those one-year guys. Like he'd sign the one-year minimum and go to another team. And then he was on the Heat one. for. He was on the Heat during their championship years, like the the Dwayne Wade Shaq years, and he was just this tremendous three-point shooter. And I remember that 2006-2007 season. I think was the year he ended up winning the three-point shooting contest, and he made that year more than 50% of his threes, but I'm looking it up now, and he only made 100 three-pointers all season. He only took... Did he ever play for the Warriors? He never did. He played for uh, Cleveland, Charlotte, Miami, Toronto, Philadelphia, and the Lakers. That was right. when he went to his west went to the West Coast. But he only took three three-point attempts per game, but he was shooting them at like a 50% clip. And that was only like... That wasn't even 10... Or I guess it was. It was, it was a little bit more than 10 years ago. Um... But within, like, those 10 years, like, a guy like Capono, the way he was shooting would have been shooting 10 three-pointers a game. Maybe not 10. I don't know how many minutes he would have gotten. You know what I mean? He'd probably have been shooting seven right. or eight, even he, off he the bench. Kinda, he was kind of Kyle Korver before Kyle Korver. Yeah, he was the cool version of Kyle Korver. Uh, but Capono, like, if you were to write a story on where Jason Capono is now, I would at least read the start of it just to see if it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean – I, I kind of started asking around about a couple of these guys that I've uh, gotten suggested, and and the, a lot of them are just hanging out, you know, like you know these guys made a lot of money in their NBA careers, and you know if they're not doing TV, if they're not coaching, a lot of them are just hanging out, you know, coaching their kids and, and little league, and you know being kind of stay at home dads, which you know I can't blame them, you know you have enough money in the bank and you know, you can kind of have the luxury of not worrying about money and focusing on your family. What this is going to end up being is not a story of former basketball player, NBA players, but a story on like current amateur golfers. This is what this is going to end up being just like a series yeah. on. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, so for me, uh, I have a few, but you know, as you know, I, I grew up a Blazers fan. Um, my guy that I really liked, and you probably like him as well because he's a Heat player, uh, was Brian Grant. Oh, yeah. um, yep. Brian Grant was a guy who really was a fan favorite in Portland, partly because he was on those, he's a rotation player on those Jailblazer teams that were really good, but very hateable because uh, they were filled with a bunch of kind of shady characters uh, Rasheed Wallace, Fonzie Wells, Ruben Patterson. All those guys, and it was it was frustrating as a fan because you you loved that they were winning and you loved that they were making it deep in the playoffs every year, and, uh, but you it was just hard to root for them because they were just not likable people. Um, and the one guy who was super likable was Brian Grant, and he really embraced the city of Portland, which. You know, like any small market, if if an NBA player openly embraces you and wants to stay there, lives there year-round and stays after he retires, then the city will love you forever. And he is definitely the epitome of that. You know, he's still rocking the dreads. Unfortunately, I think he has Parkinson's now, so right. he's, yeah. he's dealing with that. But um, he actually is a, a close friend with a family friend of mine, so I've gotten to meet him a couple of times. But... Uh, Hmm. Yeah, so that that that's my guy, and you know he was he wasn't like a big guy, you know he was a, a helpful, legit rotation guy for a while for a while in the NBA, and I know he, he, he stepped in. He, yeah, he stepped in for Miami. He, they signed him from Portland, 
and he was going to be Alonzo Mourning's backup, and then Alonzo Mourning had the kidney situation um, happen, and he had to retire, right? Um, right. And so Brian Grant um, sort of became the guy, um, impromptu, the starting center next to our one year of Lamar Odom, the one, like, right. the, the lost Lamar Odom season in which I think it was one of his best seasons. Um, right. And helped him, and, for sure. Yeah, it's still like – any all-time Heat team, I still put Lamar Odom on there just because of the one year he had. I don't, I don't like count that against him. I'm, I'm just like he only had one year and he was awesome in that one year, so that should count for him, not against him. But Lamar uh, is a guy who I don't think it's he was uh, he was incredibly talented and had his demons, but he was as an NBA player, he was he was very very he's ahead of his time, and he was ahead of his time. I mean, he really was. I mean, he would have been playing center. In today's game for a lot of yeah. minutes, but um, one name that did play for the Warriors, Darrell Wright. What's he up yeah. to now? Um, I know that he's actually still in the Bay Area. I think at least my information. I is- actually believe that Darrell Wright is still playing. Um, I believe he's like 38 years old and playing. He's 34. Some- I look yeah, it up. Really I'm just exaggerating, but he's <laughs> 30, you know, 34 years old and still playing in some far-flung league in Asia, right? Can you, can you check that? Probably, but um, I'm not going to check it now. It's not great radio, but. I, uh, he's probably playing overseas somewhere, but I do remember about three years ago, I ran into him in uh, the chicken and waffle place, uh, in Walnut Creek. Um, I'm trying to remember what street that was on California, maybe, um, in Walnut Creek. I, I'm, I'm sure some listeners will correct me here, but, uh, it was like two in two in the morning and I was in a state of mind at the chicken and waffles place. And I think they're all right. was in a similar state of mind at the same time at the same chicken and waffle place. So, that was pretty cool. Did not say anything to him. Did you talk um, to him? Yeah. No, didn't think it was uh, in any of our best interests to be uh, meeting new people at that point in time in the middle of the night. Yeah, um, I think he does still <laughs> live in the area, though. Um, yeah. He had his best year in his professional career with the Warriors. Uh, yeah. He put up numbers when they really needed a shooting guard that one year. Um, you know, he was a good shooter, a really good shooter. Thought his brother would be a better NBA player than he is. Um, actually, hung out with his brother in a. So I don't want to get into the story, but I hung out with his brother one time, and uh, I just remember thinking, I thought when he, I thought when you were at Utah that you were going to be a guy, and you're just, you're just not. Some of this stuff is just so hard to predict. Yeah, I hope you didn't say that to him. No, I did not. That was something okay. that went through <laughs> the mind, and I. You just you know, kept that I, one. I, <laughs> I uh, did not let that one pass through the list. <laughs> Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. Making you old-fashioned today with Wild Turkey Bourbon 101. It just really stands up very well in a classic cocktail like the old-fashioned. It has that perfect boldness. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. 
All right, what else you got on the Tuesdays? Oh man, uh, what are you what are you doing to stay sane right now? Because I think every NBA player uh, is struggling with that right now. Like, yeah. you know, these guys are used to grinding and traveling a lot, having a lot of stuff going on, and now everything stopped, and they don't have work the way. Uh, the way a lot of us do um and i'm still working a decent amount but you know just trying to find things to occupy my time what, what's helping you i think what is key for anybody nba player um you know eight-year-old kid who's not in school and um, anything in between is just establishing a routine and i actually think that i've adjusted to this pretty well all things considered especially like what our lifestyle was versus what it is now and um, I, I, but I think it helps that I am a routine person. I'm a routine-based person. I crave routine in, in all facets of my life. And so I think regardless of not having work or being able to stay busy or whatever, if you just wake up and do the same two or three things, the same like every morning when you wake up, and you just do the same one or two things every night before you go to bed, um, then you just have a couple of staples throughout the day. I just think it's tremendously helpful for just, just your mental health, just for establishing some sort of framework. Um, and so I've found that like really helpful for me. Um, I mean, I wake up every morning. Um, first thing I do is I make, I make coffee and while the coffee is being made, I, I do some like light meditation in the morning, which is just me sitting on the floor and just like focusing on my breath. And then I just I can hear when the coffee stops dripping, and then once that's done, I go grab it. I have I have my coffee. I I journal for uh, a few minutes, and then I just read until I'm done with my coffee. And then once that and like you know, and I might be reading like crappy stuff about the coronavirus and stuff, but I'm reading, um, or I'm just reading about whatever sports thing or the Better Call Saul recap or whatever. And then I work out for you know twenty thirty minutes. And then, and that's the, that's the start of my day every morning. It takes like two hours, but I got time now to do it. Um, I just do that every, every morning. I just think that that has been tremendously helpful for my own sanity. Yeah. I need to take some notes for sure. Um, <laughs> you've always been better at that than me. So, um, for me, it's just, it's just finding ways to keep the mind active. And I think, uh, I think for me, just, one thing I've actually appreciated about quarantine is it's allowed me to reconnect with a lot of people, you know, um, I've been talking regularly with my family and all my close friends. Um, and then also talking to people that, you know, maybe faded out of my life for whatever reason, people, not that I had like any sort of falling out with, but people who I just kind of lost touch with, but I still care about. Right. I think this is a good opportunity to kind of reach out to those people and, you know, remind them that you still care and you're still invested in them. And so, you know, I've reached out to some of those people and heard from some of those people, which, which is nice, you know? So I think that's probably the most positive thing I think I can take away from this experience. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people kind of saying the same thing where um, obviously in lieu of like any social interaction, you're just like on the phone, you're on FaceTime, you're on Zoom, you're doing these things, not only with your family, but your close friends. And, you know, eventually like you're just, you're sitting there, you're browsing Instagram and you see like this friend that you haven't talked to since college. And you're just like, let me just message him or her right now and see what, how they're doing. You know? And I just think there's like a lot of that. Cause there's just, 
there's a lot of people, I'm sure everybody has these people who you still care about, but you just don't really talk to very much. And so when something like the coronavirus is happening, you care to know what's happening. And so you reach out and that's basically it. Um, so I know that's happened in my life too. That can be enough to, you know, uh, rekindle a friendship or, Mm -hmm. you know, there, there are times with just through this job where I'll have friends in random cities that I totally lost touch with, but because, you know, our job, they'll, they'll know I'm, in X city and they'll, they'll reach out to me and we'll grab lunch. And then sometimes that restarts a friendship. You know, I have friendships that were kind of resuscitated just through simple things like that. So that's stuff's important, man. The older mm-hmm. I get, the more I realize how important that kind of stuff is and maintaining relationships and, uh, you know, maintaining friendships. Let me switch it up here. What is the guiltiest pleasure that you've, discovered about yourself or what what is your guilty pleasure during like how you pass the time um guilty pleasure i'm trying to think here i am not proud of the fact that i've become kind of addicted to mario kart (laughs) Um, (laughs) i i uh i grew up not having any sort of game system and I uh, I got you and I both got Nintendo Switches in the beginning of this just for something to do, and I got Mario Kart, and I find myself spending at least a couple hours a day every day just playing Mario Kart, <laughs> um, and uh, you know it's probably not the best use of my time of all the things we can be doing, but it's fun. So hey, and Clay Thompson does it, so can't be that oh, bad. It works for him. Um, I just downloaded Animal Crossing because everybody was telling me to do it. So I'm going to be playing that now, which I know I played Animal Crossing growing up. And that is a tremendous waste of time. That is literally just a game where you pay off your house. You you get a mortgage, you pay it off. You get a bigger house with a bigger mortgage and you pay that off and you just decorate it. And you just talk to other people. Like it's literally just like, it's kind of like the Sims, but like kind of less stuff to do, I think. Um, And so I've never understood the fascination of games like that. It's like, that's what your life is. So, well, so not anymore because in this game you can go outside and talk to people within, you know, a six foot radius. So <laughs> it's like, it's almost like an alternative reality game. Um, uh, I have been, I've been actually binging hot ones. Have you heard of this YouTube thing? What? Hot ones. Yeah. It's, it's this, the whole premise is it's an interview. It's an interview show. It's on YouTube. It's an interview show with like famous celebrities and stuff. But while they interview, they have to eat 10 really, really spicy wings, and you know oh, my affinity for wings. Yeah, it looks pretty okay. funny. It's hilarious. Uh, the Paul Rudd one like, was, is like kind of the most famous one, the most well-known episode, which is a must-watch. Um, they just did one with Justin Timberlake. He was predictably charming and great. Uh, I went back and found one. The Pete Davidson one was hilarious. Like I was, like, I was like, crying laughing. Um, and it's just, it's interesting to see these people in such an uncomfortable situation and the guy's timing is really what makes it because they'll literally be like tearing up because the wing is so hot and he'll ask them like a really like deep, um, deeply and deeply researched question that they have to think about. And they just can't because they're like sweating like profusely and not able to focus on anything because these things are so hot. It's like literally hot enough where I think they start hallucinating sometimes. So, uh, to me that, I mean, it's just, it's great content. I mean, just you take a very standard thing like a celebrity interview and then you add this like great little wrinkle into it with just like extremely hot wings and I'm in like, that's like, that's all I needed to know. So I'm, I'm absolutely. Yeah, no, I think it's a brilliant idea. I love that stuff. 
yeah, it's kind of like the drunk history of interview shows. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else that you want to talk about? I think that's all I got, man. We're we're at that point where it's it's getting harder. But you know, if if anyone's listening to this and they have any suggestions for what to write, I'm no, 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 yo, you can't, you can't use, no, don't use my content for your own content stuff. I, <laughs> I <laughs> do I not always let you shout out yourself every time you come up on my podcast? I, I shout out my things, but I don't crowdsource your listeners. Okay, all right, all right. Well, the message is already out there, so it's all good. <laughs> you basically already did that for the, the Tuesdays, was talking about what players people want to read about, so it's fine. What good current amateur golfers people are interested in. Um, remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Connor, where can our people find you? Uh, at con underscore cron. Uh, you know what I want you to tweet at me. Uh, and uh, you can read all my stuff at sfchronicle.com. Um, and I have my own podcast, Where's Awkward, which Wes is a regular contributor to. Uh, I am. And uh, who did you have on this week? You had uh, our friend Brandon, right, from Brand Warriors from Huddle. Warriors Huddle, which uh, I thought he was great. Uh, I would highly recommend having him as a guest. He's the host of Warriors Huddle, so we're off to his guest. And it was kind of fun to, to switch up the roles a little bit. Yeah, I actually I've been meaning to listen to that, so I'm going to go do that. Um, this has been Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. When you're done here, Remember that you can tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of any other Locked On Network podcast, including Chad Ford's Big Board. His most recent episode is with Bill Simmons, so you'll want to listen to that. Thanks for listening, and please stay safe. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. Eric Fowle. Together we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.